Hello, this is Daryl. We have a Champions League review podcast for you today. We get into Tottenham's 1-0 loss at home to RB Leipzig and we take a look at Atalanta's 4-1 win over Valencia. But first, I have a recommendation for you. Not an ad, but a recommendation. It's a podcast I've been listening to called Football Today. So imagine a show somewhat similar to the New York Times podcast, The Daily, um, or The Lead, the Wondery and Athletic podcast, where a host goes deep with an expert, usually a journalist, about a very specific topic. Recent episodes I enjoyed were all about Ralph Ranić, who's sort of the mastermind of the Red Bull Soccer organization right now, and his links to Milan. I learned a lot about German soccer, about Ranić, and about Milan on that episode. Another great recent episode was all about religion amongst the Brazilian players at Liverpool Football Club and an episode focused on Jurgen Klinsmann. How he took that role at Hertha Berlin and why he resigned so quickly and what has happened in the wake of that. Really informative, really well produced and I think a good length, about 25 to 30 minutes each episode. I promise I would not be recommending this unless it was something one, I enjoyed and two, something I think our listeners would really enjoy as well. So once again, the show is called Football Today. You can find out more about them at footballtodaypodcast.com. Footballtodaypodcast.com. I will put a link in the show notes. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who does not need your energy drinks. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I should yes and you, but that is a lie. I always need an energy drink. Today was coffee, right? Chai yes, latte yes. with an extra shot. Always. Was your yep. order. Mm-hmm. Not You didn't ask for lawn ball sports. <laughs> yeah, I did not. I did not. I'm trying to be better with the ingesting mass amounts of chemicals. I yeah, feel like yeah. coffee is maybe better for me, but that might also just be big coffee coming in and <laughs> persuading me. Are you still a five-hour energy guy? No. I'm, again, I'm trying to cut both of those out because I have a feeling that uh, keeping myself marginally more awake now will lead to heart attacks and death down the road. You, there, is a, there is a sort of a mm. take now, pay later yes, kind of deal. Yes, probably. Yeah. It's, a, it's sort of a credit system i was thinking a this, sleep credit system yes i was thinking this last night that if i were using a gif to like describe my life you know the uh scene in the first avengers when bruce banner says like i'm always angry and then he turns into the hulk yeah, mine yeah. would just be like i'm always sleepy and then it'd be me, <laughs> me falling over and going to bed is pretty much how it is that's why there's no taylor rockwell character nah. nick fury overlooked you <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> narcoleptic man yeah, yeah that doesn't really work so well <laughs> we are to talk we are here to mm-hmm. talk about today's champions league first leg games we're going to lead with Tottenham hosting RB Leipzig. Yep. Later in today's show, we're going to talk about that Atalanta versus Valencia game. I haven't had a good look at the Atalanta game yet. We'll sort of take a brief pause and watch mm-hmm. in detail. But they did look exciting from, yeah, the, from the bits I saw on the lowest screen. Organized chaos. Everybody on the half turn. Oh. I also feel slightly anxious that I may have just cost the sponsorships from both Red Bull and Five Hour Energy, but we'll so be it. Well, we're going to be somewhat complimentary of one of Red Bull's teams because <laughs> mm-hmm. RB Leipzig went to Spurs, yep. got a 1-0 win on the road. Um, we've got basically one one penalty kick to talk about, mm-hmm. but it was an interesting game tactically, yep. mostly because, here's, here's my take on this game, Jose Mourinho, as Spurs manager, went into this game thinking... We're not as good as RB Leipzig. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do they do? How can I contain them at home? He knew he was at home, Mm -hmm. right? He went to the right stadium. Yeah, I think so. He wasn't confused, but they played. 
They played not to lose. They set up tactically to try and not get hurt by RB Leipzig. There's a school of thought that uh, believes that nil-nil at home in the first leg is a very good result because it means that scoring one goal on the road will send you through. Yeah. And I do wonder if maybe that's what Mourinho was going for, was see this game out, we've got some injuries, we've got some vulnerabilities, maybe we can strengthen things up in the interim. And yeah. for now, nil-nil at home, we go on the road, we get that first goal, now Leipzig have to chase and it yeah, all yeah. works out. And maybe we get something on the mm-hmm. counter with yeah. Lucas Moura, maybe Deli Ali. No mm-hmm. Son, no Kane is obviously the, the big, big downside. So yes. what, what did Mourinho do in terms of tactical setup to try and um, to mm-hmm. try and contain con- I was, I was yeah. going to make some Red Bull joke but yeah. to try and contain Leipzig <laughs> let's go no puns just straight to what f- did Mourinho do to try and contain to, Leipzig to flatten Leipzig there to we make go. them flat yeah, yeah. Uh, essentially it was kind of what Diego Simeone did with Atletico yesterday they went for the 4-4-2 they went <laughs> mi- not quite a low block mid-low more of block? a mid-low block yeah. yeah we're being very 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 particular on this one but accurate yeah yeah and then i think the idea was just sort of clog the middle don't let don't let leipzig play through yeah. i also think a big part of it was try not to get caught uh, on the Gagan press, on the counter counter. So yeah. when they win the ball back, don't kind of give it up cheaply in vulnerable positions. And a good a good evidence or some good evidence of mm-hmm. why not to do that is they do get caught on the counter counter in like the first minute. Yep. And it leads to those sort of weird like chances from mm-hmm. wide angles where I think there's one 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 post and one save uh, from Uris, right? Mm-hmm. It's a Klosterman intercepts a attempted Spurs counterattack. Right. And it's almost like Spurs learn their lesson really early mm-hmm. of, oh, yeah, we should not be trying to do that. Yeah, and so all We're I We're playing f- against the experts. Exactly. And I think, like, yeah, the one you're talking about, I think it's Harry Winks who sort of goes on a run, tries to keep the ball in bounds, tries to kind of keep a counterattack alive, but has now completely vacated that central position where Spurs already potentially have a mismatch and therefore definitely have yes. a mismatch once you've lost one of them and that's where Leipzig are able to kind of play the ball through and find opportunities. So yeah, Spurs did kind of shut things down with that mid-low block type four four two, but I think, and we think because we both saw this, um, Patrick Schick mm-hmm. um, as RB Leipzig striker did a really good job of still managing to connect things through the middle. Yep, because what we were trying to figure out is we've seen Schick play for Leipzig this season, obviously. We've seen him get some starts, but he is not the player that we maybe thought would be leading the line in this game. We've seen a lot of Timo Werner and Nkunku as the sort of two forwards, right? And we saw that today, except... Patrick Schick was ahead of them. And yeah. so we were trying to figure out why would you do that? And I think the initial thing we settled upon is that with Spurs playing the way we expected them to, which is sort of block. defending deep, uh, yeah. mostly deep, that there's not going to be a lot of space to run in behind. You're not going to have a lot of opportunities for kind of pacey attacks. Because that's where Werner and Nkunku right. excel, right? Mm-hmm. Is if the other team has a high line or has been stretched out, then you can run mm-hmm. in behind with Werner and Nkunku. They yeah. probably knew that Mourinho wouldn't let that happen. Yes. Uh, and, but I do think that was probably part of where shit comes in. But the other one would be that if Spurs are in that 4-4-2, if uh, and then Leipzig are doing what they're doing, then it does kind of match up, especially if Dele Ali drops in. You've got sort of even numbers in the middle. You don't have really an advantage for Leipzig. But as soon as Schick drops in, now you always have a man advantage, sometimes even a two-man advantage. Yeah. And that was where a lot of the opportunities for Leipzig come from. It's like ping, 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 move the ball around. You pull a Spurs player out. Now somebody else is open. You play it to him. Now somebody else is open. And eventually you can find somebody who tends to be open for a shot. Unfortunately, in this game, Spurs then did, or Leipzig... 
unfortunately of your Leipzig, I should say, didn't really take those chances because this no, could Werner, have been three Werner, or four nil. Werner missed a couple chances. Yeah. There's a lot of like he's very right footed mm. and he doesn't seem full of confidence. Um, Schick did the same thing. He missed at the far post. Yeah. That thing where he then Gosh. puts his hands on his head while the ball is still live, yeah. which is kind of like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we've yelled at amateur players for, yeah. for doing that. So I'm really surprised you, that Schick did that. And you can see how rattled he is even after that because, yeah, he puts the hands on the head and then realizes, oh, that ball is staying in bounds. He goes and gets it and immediately kicks it into his own player and then, like, gives that ball away there. So it was, yeah. a, it was a double panic move from Schick. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so let's talk about the, uh, the actual goal. Sure. Um, the penalty kick. Mm-hmm. It comes about from a, a bit of Schick hold-up play, mm-hmm. right? He comes deep, holds it up, lays it off to Timo Werner. Werner looks up and sees at the far post he's got um, Unkunku and I've forgotten the name of the right back. I keep forgetting his name. Mukele? Mukele, I think it is. yeah. I remember is. it as not being Mukele Akele. <laughs> right? And yeah. not being Tyler Adams. Yes, it's also Probably that too. is Tyler Adams would have started on that right side, mm-hmm. right? Um, so Werner looks up tries to hit the big diagonal across to like either of those two essentially and i'm going to say under hits it yes definitely under hits it right you know who agrees and with you ben davis that's correct yes cuz ben davis is all set to like he's yep. thinking oh Werner's under hit this i'm mm. going to volley this clear but then lamer very cleverly he was not lame he decided all right, right he was is, after this challenge yeah this, right this is under hit i'm going to get there first yep. i think he just surprises ben davis mm-hmm. by by getting to this ball right he intercepts this ball as ben davis is mid volley yep. so then davis kind of volleys lamer and does the old like left foot right foot dance right he does a jig yep. essentially yeah uh, it, it wins a penalty kick it seemed like maybe i'll tackle with both feet and instead he <laughs> kind of kicked him with both feet uh yeah, yeah concedes the penalty i do i know this isn't weekend review i do want to give thumbs up for a moment to referee uh junet shaka i believe it is from Turkey. Yeah. Thumbs are allowed on days that okay. aren't Mondays. Uh, but uh, as you said, Schick is involved. He holds it up. He lays it off to Timo Werner. And as he lays it off, uh, Davidson Sanchez comes out, Ooh. gives him a big whack in the back yeah. of the legs. Down goes, uh, down goes Patrick Schick. And the referee puts the whistle in his mouth, then sees that Timo Werner has the ball and kind of where he's shaping and g- gestures very emphatically play on, play on, play yeah. on. A last play to go, and that leads to the penalty. So a good decision to let play continue. I was waiting to see if he would celebrate at all, like we've yep. seen Mike Dean do in the past, but he uh, did not, unfortunately. So he put the whistle in his mouth, yep. and in a reverse Bill Clinton, he did not exhale. <laughs> yes. 90s political jokes. <laughs> it's, have you seen PCU before? Yes. It's, that's John. No, sorry, I haven't. That's a Jeremy Piven one. Though, yeah, right? it is. Yeah. Uh, that's John Favreau's line under questioning is, I didn't exhale? <laughs> <laughs> now I have to see that movie. That's gutter, my friend. That's gutter. And uh, Jeremy Piven with his actual hairline. <laughs> well, the thing I feel like we've found here that I think mm-hmm. most people won't notice, though, is why Ben Davis has made that horrible, horrible tackle. Yeah. It's because Tim Werner under hit a ball. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> he tricked him into it, basically. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right that he's got the two at the back post who are clearly open and sort of waiting to make that pouncing run at the back post yeah. to either shoot or head or square it back across. And yeah, Werner absolutely under hits this one. I will be honest, this was another game, we've talked about this before, that I, I keep sort of being underwhelmed by Timo Werner on a continuous basis. Yep. I was very sure he was going to miss this penalty. He looked very anxious. He scores it. It's an okay penalty. He keeps it on best, the ground. He puts power behind it, so, enough power. But Hugo Lloris almost gets a hand to it. If it pops up at all, that, that penalty is saved. But yep. he does score, so credit there. But he has a couple. He has one pretty bad miss where he doesn't take a good first touch and ends up having to toe poke it. He has another where he would have been offside, but even then he can't get on the end of it. Yeah. There were just those moments where you sort of don't see that clinical precision. Yep. I mean, contrasting with yesterday and Erling Haaland, who will take his chances 
and score his chances. Yep. He's definitely on a hot run of form. He's definitely going to drop off. But for right now, you see the contrast in the way they're able to kind of clinically take if you're Holland and not if you're Timo Werner. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the thing I want to talk about, because I feel like we didn't underline this enough because we talked a lot of tactics at the top of the show, yep. is the reason that Schick is there, as well as like coming deep and overloading the midfield, which mm-hmm. he did a lot, right? He confused Spurs central midfielders by suddenly being present mm-hmm. and they had too many men to mark. But the other thing is, uh, to, because there isn't like loads of space for Werner and Nkunku to run in behind, it's almost like Schick would be the one that would come and collect and then they would run beyond mm-hmm. him. I know you said it, but I want to underline it. Yep. That really, RB's game is all about getting those guys in yep. behind. And I think it's credit to Julian Nagelsmann that either, even with Mourinho mm-hmm. doing his mid-low block and trying to shut this down, they still did get Werner in behind a couple of times, right? In, in limited space, but definite scoring yeah. opportunities. I mean, I, I will say, like, Atleti are in a bit of a crisis. They've got a lot of injuries. They haven't had a very strong season. But if nothing else, they can default back to 4-4-2, two banks of very organized four. Oh, you took an Atleti back. versus Liverpool yesterday. Yeah, and I think that that is like a fallback for Simeone. He knows exactly how to coach that. A lot of their veterans know exactly how to play that system. And I contrast that with today with Spurs, that especially after they go 1-0 down, you can see just a little bit of the unfamiliarity, a little bit of like this player drifting too far forward, gets in Fernandez yes. drifts too far central. And, and Fernandez sometimes followed Angelou. Yeah. and then they would leave a bit of a gap and Deli Ali would have to come back and fill and it was like they were trying to keep the Atleti style 4-4-2 yeah. but it was a little bit wobbly and some of it wasn't always in shape it's, yeah. it's actually underlines how impressive it is that Atleti can march in formation yep. you know, in the way that Spurs can't even mm-hmm. under Mourinho I'm sure they've been working on it for this game yes I mean I'm sure they have but I think you can see in the 64th minute with the double change that Spurs make uh, when you see what uh, it's Deli Ali gets Fernandez come off uh, and Dembele and Lamella come on yeah. and it's a bit more attacking he changes the shape around a little bit but to me that felt like this isn't working we're starting to get tired Leipzig are going to find their way through we got to change yeah. it up and maybe try to take it to them a little bit more yeah so they did try that mm-hmm. and it kind of worked I would argue that once once they make that change they've got two attacking wingers yep. right? he pulls Lacelso wide mm-hmm. he's got Lamella comes on and plays wide the other side mm-hmm. then the two centre mids are Winks and Ndombele yep. and I, I feel like Ndombele is a big part of it he is sort of capable of um like wiggling his hips a bit and dribbling past people and going past someone in that crowded Leipzig midfield. You've got the Celso pace and Lamella's dribbling down the two Mm. wings. And you've got then just Spurs being a bit more willing to put pressure on Leipzig when Mm. they have the ball. But it wasn't really enough to turn it around. I don't remember Spurs having a, a real golden. Oh, there's the, actually I do. It's the Mora header. Yeah, Lucas Mora header is the over. only the only like golden chance I can think that wasn't a free kick or a shot. That's from the thing because I, I think aside from that one, and that even is in like in traffic, he kind of sees it late. It's similar to the um, Fabinho one yesterday, where like he drops in over two players, and so you see it late. Yeah. he can't really head it on frame. Instead, he puts it over. But yeah, to your point, aside from that, it's free kicks, it's corners, it's set pieces, or it is kind of shots from distance or shots yep. you didn't quite. See coming because they are kind of far out from strange angles. So you didn't see Spurs sort of grow back into the game and have these sustained moments of consistent pressure and attacks yep. that really forced Leipzig to change. But I do think another reason for that that we've already kind of hit upon is that for Spurs, they don't really have big game-changing players that last season they had Fernando Llorente who could come in mm-hmm. and be the kind of hold-up outlet to kind of change up the style yeah. a little bit. Matias Delic remembers. Yeah, exactly, and this is where we go back to the absence of Harry Kane yep. and how big of a miss he was. It's a problem from game. the start, yes. not even in terms of changing the game. There's the fact that you don't have yep. any sort of target striker to bring on. Mm-hmm. But if you look so many times, Spurs would take a goal kick, they'd want to go short, Leipzig would step up and cut off all those options, then they'd have to go long, and your long options are Lucas Moura, 
um, and Deli Ali, yep. right? Deli Ali, not horrible in the air by any stretch, but he's definitely not a target man in the way that Harry Kane is, right? Yep. And at the very, like, we've already talked about the importance of Sheik hold up play, mm-hmm. how that made it hard. Neither Deli Ali uh, nor uh, Lucas Moura are any good at hold up play. They both want to turn and go, yep. right? They're not going to have a, have a defender in their back, hold the ball, mm-hmm. absorb a bit of pressure, let people get around them and start a move. So Spurs couldn't go long because they would just lose it immediately. You see that in the first five minutes. Yeah. I think Mora loses two or three headers yeah. to Leipzig centre-backs. Because I wanted to emphasize that, that like even if Mora is sort of contesting for the headers, which he is to his credit, he's yeah. fighting for them, but it is he not... De- he never didn't jump. Exactly. But it's never the Urense, Harry Kane, not only are they like contesting the header, but they're bringing it down on their chest, or they're bringing it down on their thigh, and they're holding off two players. Yeah. At best, Lucas Mora is flicking that ball on to maybe Dele Alli, maybe nobody, or he's just sort of fighting for it just to contest the 50-50 yep. and not let Leipzig win it that cleanly. Here's the interesting thing. Leipzig was short of defenders. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of defenders um, injured. I've forgotten the name of him, the Hungarian guy who's their captain oh, yeah. and centre-back. Um, you also have um, Kanate mm-hmm. is injured long-term. So both of those guys are injured. And Upamecano, mm-hmm. their sort of most famous centre-back, because I think he's coveted by a lot of teams. I mean, not their most important defender. Maybe not. Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams is out. But in terms of centre-backs, yeah. um, Upamecano suspended for this game. Mm-hmm. He's the centre, centre-back, the guy who is like most comfortable on the ball. Filling in 19-year-old Welsh defender Ethan Ampadu on loan from Chelsea, mm-hmm. right? Who'd gone on loan to Leipzig and barely played. Steps in, plays in the middle of defence and has himself a really, really yeah. good He's game. He's a reverse Samson. Cut his hair and he gets more powerful. That's how it works. <laughs> I couldn't find him to begin I with. I was looking for the big dreads. And yeah, I was very confused I, by who's this guy. It's telling how, like, again, he has gotten minutes and appearances for Leipzig this season. It's telling how little we have seen of him regularly that I think he cut his hair like a m- couple months ago. Yeah. And yet it's not been that familiar because we haven't seen him regularly. Yep. So to see him today, it was good to see. But it also was definitely a vulnerability that maybe Spurs will rue not focusing more upon. And I'm, But I'm not sure they could have done anything about yeah. it. So a lot of people are very rightly full of praise mm-hmm. for Ethan Amp- Ampadu right? he did yep. a lot of defending he looked very comfortable on the ball he stepped out with the ball quite a lot especially when Spurs tried to up the pressure towards the end but I was just thinking imagine if this had been Upamecano suspended mm-hmm. young Ethan Ampadu is in there instead and Ethan Ampadu is up against Harry Kane it would yeah. be very different than Ethan Ampadu is up against these two attacking midfielders. Yeah. You know what Slightly. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Slightly. And also um, just a thumbs up to Ampadu right at the mm-hmm. end I think Leipzig were out of subs yep. He had something that looked like more than cramp, mm-hmm. right? Because he he had the goalkeeper stretch yep. his leg and he was still limping. So that yep. says to me that's not cramp because cramp goes and you don't limp, right? Mm-hmm. There's some sort of calf strain or hamstring strain or something playing on. And in the very last minute, I think it's the final play of the game, there's a through ball and it's Mora versus yeah. Ampadu. And the injured Ampadu just does just enough yep. to get a toe to it, get it away from Mora to deny him the, uh, the, the breakthrough. Yep. Then after that, the whistle goes and he just collapses on the yep. floor holding his legs. That is some <laughs> heroic stuff from Ethan Ampadu. It really was. It really was. So, yes, a, a strong performance by him, uh, certainly. Random question for you. Yeah. Can you register a player if they're not signed to another team? Like, not a transfer, obviously, but if there's just a free agent, do, do you have to be not, in a window to, not to register now. them? now. It okay. has to be uh, before the round of 16 kicks off, okay. I believe. You have right. to register. There's like a UEFA deadline to register players for the round of 16. Gotcha. So that's gone. There was, I believe, maybe it was a joke story or it was just like Mourinho messing around or maybe it wasn't even Mourinho, but I think it was. There was a story yesterday that he was like, I'm considering Peter Crouch, <laughs> like, <laughs> which would be hilarious and awesome, but that might have just been a joke. It would make the 
Peter Crouch podcast, that Peter Crouch podcast, <laughs> even even more important listening. It certainly would. It certainly <laughs> would. Um, we don't have much else to say about this game, I feel like, because... Oh, we've said more than any other podcast is going to say. But I do have one more thing I do want to <laughs> mention, which is uh, credit to the Leipzig fans uh, for their sort of just after halftime protest. Uh, they were throwing, we think, oh, to- yes. like toilet paper streamers onto the field, mm-hmm. which forced the cameras to kind of show what was happening. And when that happened, then there's the banner sort of protesting what we're assuming were very high ticket prices. Yeah, so it was, the grammar was a little off, right? Mm-hmm. But it was like stand up for fair pricing, stand yes. up for fair prices. Yes. Um, which is essentially, yeah, we assume, I mean, you imagine how much Leipzig fans pay in the Bundesliga, which is usually mm-hmm. like 25, 30 euros a ticket, right? Yes away to Tottenham in the Champions League mm-hmm. in that new stadium. I don't know how much it is, but I'll guarantee it's at least double what mm-hmm. they pay for a Leipzig game. But credit to you for two things. One, for figuring out that they threw the streamers in order to get the attention to then dem- like show the banner. By streamers, you mean toilet paper? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. They were just toilet rolls, right? I think so, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then the reason why I was uh, very impressed by Daryl Grove was because he observed this for a moment and then said to himself, even their fans are tactical. And I enjoyed <laughs> that immensely because it was accurate. Oh, so uh, we have nothing else to say on this game, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But speaking of tactics, I do want to give a little recommendation. The Extra Inch, uh, the podcast with Nathan A. Clark, who's Mm -hmm. been a guest on the show. If you want to hear about Spurs tactics, I'm sure they're the only podcast out there that might have a longer take on this game tactically (laughs) than we do. So I would encourage Spurs fans to go and give that a listen. Go and give it a listen. All right, we're going to talk about the second game of the day, mm-hmm. Atalanta-Valencia. And yes, I bet sir. there'll be people out there who are thinking, oh, I don't want to hear about this. It's two teams I'm not that excited about. Yeah. I am now excited about Atalanta. You should right? be. You're darn right, you are. I've heard David Amoyal come on here mm-hmm. and talk about Atalanta. I've heard you get all excited about Atalanta in the preview. And I really was still like, all right, I'm yet to be convinced, mostly because I'm lazy and I didn't go and watch them. Mm-hmm. I have now watched at least... Uh, chunks of a game mm-hmm. and definitely four Atalanta goals and therefore one win over Valencia yeah. I am officially excited about Atalanta welcome this, to the Atalanta hype train this game did it for me I have bought all the tickets on the Atalanta <laughs> hype train I think we also figured out that the in figuring out how to talk about this game mm-hmm. the four Atalanta goals yep. all provide one of the angles from which you can enjoy Atalanta uh, yeah I think, that, fair? I, think, I think that's fair to say because I will own up front that my expectation was that they would come out in a 3-4-1-2 and that one would be Papu Gomez they did not quite do that but still Papu Gomez very much involved very good yeah, on the ball he played like left side of the front two yeah. he wasn't quite as free roaming as you promised I know right? I, feel, I feel bad about that it's a little bit when you buy like uh, free range eggs and you realize that they weren't given that much space yeah or uh, what cage free just means that they like, weren't in a cage they were in a larger pen yeah um but mm-hmm. he was still super effective. He was. I do. I just. I stress that just the eggs were still good. I need you to understand that you saw a lot of what Atalanta are. You did not see the beauty of like is is Papa Gomez right back right now? Like what is happening? Right. Like, that that is the beauty. So of he them. was he was yeah. a bit more restrained yes. for a big European evening. Yes, that's probably that's he had, probably the case. He wore his he wore his best suit. But it was very clear, he did, it was very clear, though, that he was the player, or at least one of the players that Valencia had sort of targeted as, don't give him time and space, Yes, he is the dangerous one, Mm -hmm. on the ball, finding passes, and yet, they still kind of gave him space and let him dribble at the defense for that first goal. They looked terrified of him. Yeah, a little bit. They were like, okay, this guy's what, Argentinian, number 10, captain, he's like, he's a blast from the past. He's blonde hair, you can't just have that, you have to be good, see Joseph Martinez, because otherwise, there's no point in doing that. (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah, first goal, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. it is scored by Hatabur, mm-hmm. the Atalanta right back. But the magic comes from the left, yep. from Papu Gomez. Yes. All right. Because he, he it's, it's the thing we've talked about many, many times of if you're a defender and you know there's a kind of technical creative playmaker, there's that inclination to, I don't want to step aggressively and get beat. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to like also give him too much space so I'm just going to drop off and kind of shepherd mm-hmm. but really what and you end up buddy, doing right they had yeah. two, two Valencia had two defenders trying to stand up Papu Gomez yeah but then weirdly you kind of get the worst of, of everything because you end up getting everybody backing off we don't want to get beat we don't want to overcommit but there's also diffusion of responsibility of well there's two of us and kind of three of us because there's even one yeah. further out wide we got this covered we can just kind of stand him up and while you're doing that he's picking out a pass at the back post yeah because meanwhile mm-hmm. um, an Atalanta center back mm-hmm. what is it Pamelino uh, Palomino Palomino yeah, yeah. number six has just uh-huh. charged into that. the box yeah. right so this is one of the fun things yep. about Atalanta is this, there wasn't a set piece or anything centre back right? wearing white shoes that's always risky as well centre back white shoes yeah. randomly charging into the box to confuse defenders uh-huh. and then I'm going to call him the right wing back yeah. at the ball mm-hmm. like very strange uh, wing back because he's yep. six foot two mm-hmm. um, is like cutting in uh, from the right definitely calls for the ball and then beats his defender Gaia. who's the left back Gaia mm-hmm. Just gets goal yep. side of him and pushes him out of the way. Yeah. Um, and Papu Gomez just picks him out. It's a beautifully sort of bent in ball straight into the path of Hatabo. And again, I would say that like you have Gaia in correct position as, as uh, Papu Gomez is dribbling at his teammates, but you can sort of see Gaia start to focus on, okay, what's happening over there? And that yeah. is when he loses track of his mark and that is when the ball comes in. So again, the focus on Papu Gomez, I think, very much uh, plays a massive part in this goal. So there we go. Bang, 1-0. Mm-hmm. Second goal, uh, correct much me if I'm wrong. Second goal. Much more bang on this one. Much more bang. Is yes. it the Ilicic goal? Yes, it is. All right, so Ilicic is the mm-hmm. what, guy who normally plays on the right. Yep. He's like a right forward um, in this game. Mm-hmm. Also very tall. Um, also, I believe left-footed is important ooh. to note here. Okay, so what does this goal illustrate about Atalanta? That uh, Ilicic is deadly because he can do so many different things. Okay. Because this is a, a right forward who usually cuts inside, uh, but then also has the physical presence to body people. Mm-hmm. I think I had uh, highlighted that he would happily go into it with center backs and try to knock them around a little yeah, bit, yeah. but then had the, he was the, he is their leading goal scorer in the league, is more than capable of scoring goals up close, of cutting inside and shooting, and in this case, of holding off a defender and shooting sort of simultaneously. He's sort of strong. I think it's mm-hmm. Soler. He yes. kind of strong arms him and he just says, him, you don't get involved here. He's, pushes, a, just pushes him away. It's a little bit of, of, of a butt shield is what he does there. Is he kind of right? turns and like, and like sticks out the butt to shield him off and then takes the touch to then get the shot off. And he doesn't have a lot of butt. No, he he's does not. He's a skinny man. He's, he is, he is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, he takes it with his left foot to set himself up to He's hit in the it low percentile hard. of footage. <laughs> The low percentile of buttage. Uh, but yeah, he sets it up with his left foot, takes it with the right, uh, buries it to the kind of top corner. It does take a it's little a really bit of a, nice of, of a flick off the hand of the goalkeeper, but there's no stopping that. And it was uh, Pasalic, the on-loan uh, Chelsea player, who in this case was playing more as that number 10 in the yeah. 3 uh, And he plays that ball into Ilicic. So again, it's the kind of positional uh, flexibility of Atalanta on display. Can we talk about Pasalic's life a yes. little bit? So he joined Chelsea in 2014. Right. He has gone on loan every year year Mm -hmm. since looking for a home yes looking for a home finally he's at Atalanta they have loaned with an option to buy at the end of the season for 15 million euros 
I think Pasalic is home. I think I think, I think of, this is his forever home. I don't think you meant to do this, but the image you have painted for me is like when you go to the SPCA or you go to the pound looking for a dog and they're all just Oh, behind. I I chose my language very specifically they're, and carefully. Yeah, yeah. They're all behind they're all behind plexiglass. But I just think of all the the Chelsea players just sadly sitting there like, yeah. "Please let me play for you." We talked about Ethan Ampadu yeah, earlier, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, they had what like 45 players on loan mm-hmm. last season something like that. Yep. So yeah, they're just I guess Atalanta took this one home. They fostered him for a little while. Now maybe they're deciding that yeah, he works for our family. We're going to keep him around. <laughs> so that's 2-0. 3-0. <laughs> uh, uh, what is the name of the gentleman who scores the third Freuler. goal? Freuler. Freuler. Mm-hmm. And what, what does this illustrate about Atalanta? Fight, I believe. Fight. I, I believe is what, what, what we've landed on here. Oh, I fight mean, from Papu Gomez. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but it, even even this is the thing that uh, they did against uh, Roma this weekend when they mm-hmm. ended up getting the winner. It's Pasalic who subs on and scores the winner. But it is three different loose balls that Atalanta keep fighting for. And there's like diving tackles. They poke it to him. He scores. Here, the play that kind of keeps it alive on the opposite side of the field is again a sort of sliding tackle in there are three Valencia players yeah, yeah. slide tackle he wins a 3v1 with a slide tackle yep. who is it do we know who it is uh, I forget who it is it's right side so it may be a Tatabor again okay it may they were very, very well maybe yeah. um, but it kind of cycles back around and then it's again another loose ball that Papu Gomez goes into against Jeffrey Condogbia who is I believe 6'6 six, 6'7 six, six, defensive Gomez, midfielder right yeah is not tall mm. and he fights for this ball he doesn't even end up winning it but the kind of clash makes the ball pop loose and it does knock over Kandogbia as well, which is yeah. no small feat. And then doesn't Papu Gomez do a clever like it's not a, it's mm-hmm. not quite a foul, but he stands in such a way that he makes it much much harder for Kandogbia to get up. If you're watching it, yeah, it's basically Kandogbia kind of laying on his stomach at this point, mm-hmm. and Papu Gomez has one foot between Kandogbia's legs and mm-hmm. then one foot on the other side, and definitely does that like. I'll get up. Just let me just move that leg really slowly yeah. so that Kondogbia can't pop right back up, which is very important because he is that sort of deep, deep right, like number six sort of defensive midfielder. And if he's on the ground, now suddenly there's space around the 18-yard box. So Freuler can pick up the ball, exactly. drive forward a little bit mm-hmm. and take a strike. Yep. But then doesn't also Papa Gomez... Um, take some attention or at least open up some space mm-hmm. for Freuler to drive forward. Yeah, uh, we talked about him on the preview, Mangala. Mangala! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Playing in- soccer. Yes, although in this case maybe not loving what happened because Mm-mm. he sort of tracks that run from Papa Gomez, drops off just a yard or two, then tries to spring forward to try to block that shot. But because of that space that's opened up, now you've got a clear shooting opportunity for Freuler who takes it and takes it well again. All right, so I've enjoyed all three goals yeah. and I've enjoyed watching bits of Atalanta. Mm-hmm. But I think my favorite thing about Atalanta yeah. is illustrated in the fourth goal. Mm-hmm. So it ends up in the back of the net from Hetabor once yep. again, the right wing back getting forward. Um, not, As you do. Not a good effort from the Valencia goalkeeper. Not but so much. It's fine. It's fine. It goes mm-hmm. in the back of the net. But in the build-up, there are, I don't know how many passes. You're a pass counter. How I think, many it, I think it was 14 passes at least. 14 passes. But here's the thing you promised me about Atalanta. And I thought, that there can't be a team that does that. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it and I loved it is... Not 100% of the time, but something ridiculous, like 90% of the yep. time. <laughs> Atalanta players receive the ball and open up. Yep. Even when it doesn't look necessary mm-hmm. to like open up and change direction, every time an Atalanta player receives the ball, they open up and change direction. Yep. And I think... This just makes the game very confusing for the opposition. Yeah. And, and it does feel like it's a thing that's drilled into them that even when it's like the left back playing to the left center back who has no one on them, he will still do that sort of open up with that first touch yeah. to then play it. Like easily could take a touch, take we, another touch and pass. Could we describe this to someone who maybe hasn't played a lot of soccer, doesn't know what 
open up means it, like yeah. why like for example why don't you see this all the time i mean b- because number one you don't need to like, that's if, it right if, it's yeah, unnecessary it's unnecessary unless you are trying to drill into your team that you have to play quickly and therefore you have to have a very good first touch and you have to kind of always be aware that moving the ball is designed to pull yeah. the team out okay and, i've got a good example sorry mm-hmm. i've cut you off halfway through but i've just no, realized that you and i are facing each other yep. it's quite easy for people to visualize mm-hmm. right we're across a desk we are our hips are facing yep. each other we're square onto each other our hips are not we lying. can just pass the ball back and mm-hmm. forth if you pass the ball to me, I can take a touch, pass it back. I haven't opened up because I'm facing you and I'm giving right. it straight back to you. To open up would be you pass to me and as I receive it, I turn to my right or to my left yeah. and change the direction, right? Yeah. Even though there's no need, but it would make things a lot more um, unpredictable and complicated to keep changing the angle like exactly. that. That's what Atalanta do. Yeah. I'm sorry, I realized it was really no, 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 rude no. to interrupt your explanation. No, no, I kind no. of had a lightning bolt of this is the way to do it. I would just emphasize more on what you're saying, which is that if we're passing back and forth and then you pass to, say, my right foot, if people are unfamiliar with what we're talking about, it's essentially like receiving that ball with my right foot, but almost as though the ball is then Velcroed to my foot, sort of opening yeah. my hips up and turning to face. Like Maybe it's like a 45-degree turn or uh-huh. a 90-degree turn or whatever, but it's me... Like the, I guess it would have to be 90 to 180. But it's like me then keeping that ball on my foot, and now I can play a different direction very quickly as opposed to like putting my foot on top, then turning, then taking a touch, mm-hmm. then playing it. And just that little quick sequence of passing the fewer touches. If everybody's taking two touches instead of five touches, and you've got 14 passes, suddenly you see the difference in how quickly the ball moves. That's the key, right? It's right. always either two or one touch mm-hmm. from Atalanta, and the ball moves, and the ball moves, and the ball moves, mm-hmm. and the direction is not predictable, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you have Valencia, and you're just like, I'll give up. That's why there's so much fun because they're like anarchy but practiced anarchy with mm-hmm. fluidity to it <laughs> <laughs> so this goal it has yep. I mean, you said 14 passes like um, that, yeah. in the build up then it ends with a clever pass down the line yep. which I believe Ilicic knows he's coming back from an offside position maybe mm-hmm. he yep. may be um, and so kind of just does the hands in the air not yep. involved lets the ball run through then Hatterbo's in on goal yeah and and, and I do sort of wonder because we can't tell from the angle if he lets it go through his legs or if it just goes on, on the outside of him being Ilicic but there's never the like dramatic like, haha, I've opened my legs up to dummy it because I think if he does that, he'd be involved, he's materially yeah. involved. And yeah. instead he just sort of, like the hands are up the whole way through. He is not making a play. And yet it kind of throws off the entire Valencia team because everybody sort of stops. Yep. And then that allows uh, Hatabor to run onto that ball very, very quickly. And hit a not great shot. Not so much. That the keeper just sort of lets bounce off his thigh and go in. Yes, Bit so of uh, remonstrating with his defenders. Yeah. But hey, it's 4-0 at mm-hmm. that point. There's a little... Little bit of a saving grace for yep. Valencia, Valencia, where Cherishev, I think there's a mistake from a defender. Palomino again. Palomino. He, do, he does it once a game. He's a wild card. He did it Palomino. against Roma, he did it here. Um, basically, sets up Cherishev mm-hmm. to just bang a shot from the top of the box, yep. finds the bottom corner, 4 1. That one away goal, I don't think, is going to be enough for Valencia. Yeah, they lose 4 1 in yeah. Italy. But it is, I mean, it could have been. Better for Valencia, worse for Atalanta, because before that fourth goal, Valencia, again, it's like kind of a mistake from Atalanta. It leaves, leads to a shot from, what, 12 yards out for Valencia, completely mm-hmm. unmarked. They just hit it right at the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper gave it away. And then from there, they go and score. Yeah. So it could have been 3-2, but instead it's 4-1, to and it does then oh. feel like, at the very least, Valencia have a lot of work to do and will yeah. maybe overextend themselves and I would expect more goals in that second leg as well before we wrap up I think it's worth noting because we've praised Atalanta Mm -hmm. so much I really do recommend at least watching the highlights of this just to get a feel for Atalanta what is their coach's name because I feel like this all comes from his his sort of philosophy and style of play Gianpaolo Gasparini Gianpaolo Gasparini pretty sure it's Gianpaolo it might be Gianpiero I think it's Gianpaolo yeah Gianpaolo Signor Gasparini Mm -hmm. um, is is. the coach of Atalanta he looks like the definitive Italian grandpa with it, like, he he's, like, he's like the 
he's well dressed. He's kind of slim. He's got like the mane of white hair, is yeah, what I'm yeah, calling yeah. it. He always has a watch that he doesn't wear. He holds like a wristwatch, and he uh-huh. seems to be very focused on time. So again, a very grandfatherly thing. Of time is very important, and yeah. you have to know the exact date for the story to work. <laughs> so Grandpa Gasparini is the Atalanta <laughs> yeah. coach. I'm not sure if you'd appreciate that or not. And Atalanta are worth investing yeah. either 90 minutes in or five minutes in if you just want to see mm-hmm. the highlights. All right, coming up on the Total Soccer Show. Um, Today's Wednesday. Yep. Tomorrow is Thursday. It's Allocation Disorder Day. Woo-hoo. So you heard MLS Assist. Hopefully earlier in the week, you heard MLS Assist, the Western Conference preview with Joe and Jordan. It really was good. They went through all 13 Western Conference teams and made very specific predictions. That's how you know it's a Total Soccer Show produced mm-hmm. show. Um, on Thursday, we will have an episode of Allocation Disorder with Paul Tenorio, Sam Stashgirl, also produced by the Total Soccer Show, but it's very Paul and Sam, right? Mm-hmm. It's very, uh, they're doing detailed of roster builds they've chosen three or four teams and they're going through how those teams have built their mls rosters for 2020 yep uh a lot of good nodding knowingly why are you nodding knowingly Uh, because number one it's a lot of good mls content but i did not share with you that we we tend to do specific predictions as a way to preview seasons and things like that and i did have the like absurdist slash maybe dumb comedy idea of like just word for word repeating their podcast as our specific predictions but never ever mentioning that we were doing that (laughs) and I really like that idea but I feel like that novelty would wear off real fast we do get a lot of um, emails offering transcription services so we we could get MLS assist (laughs) transcribed for us then we just come in the next day and read it out loud phase three is profit I'm now now mad I announced that on the show but yeah then we'd have to pay for no we don't need transcription I do love that offer that's such a useful thing it keeps coming in it, it does keeps coming in really, really uh, does. All right, so Thursday mm. is allocation disorder Friday Taylor and I will be back with our Champions League round of 16 previews for next week I have Chelsea versus Bayern Munich and Lyon Juventus you do? I remembered I have Manchester City Real Madrid mm-hmm. and Barcelona Napoli mm-hmm. some good games next week got to so We're, oh yeah some good <laughs> games next week um, we won't be able to do the full review next week because we've booked train tickets and hotel tickets mm-hmm. now we are going to be in New York we're going to be in Manhattan all next week Monday to Friday uh, partly for MLS Media Day uh, we also I think we can reveal this right we're going to be on the Cooligans uh, show mm-hmm. on uh, the Fubo Sports Network show we'll uh, see we'll, we'll see We'll see. We're going to hold out for a better offer. I'm, maybe. I'm just saying, like, we have yet to make an appearance. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. When we're at, similar to transfers, I'll believe it when the player is like holding up the jersey slash yeah, wearing yeah. the jersey slash playing for the team. If we're on the couch, then I'll believe it's actually happening. Well, I'm actually going to wait until it's absolute last minute and they can't get a replacement mm-hmm. guest, and then negotiate hard for a fee. I like this plan. <laughs> I like this plan. Even if the fee is like Alexis takes us out for pizza. Deep. No, he would enjoy that too much. He would. Yeah, <laughs> stick us out for deep dish pizza. Yeah, but we'll be in New York next week. We're looking forward to mm-hmm. it. It should be fun. We'll also be uh, meeting some. Old friends and new friends. I have one, we will, I have one random detail that I want to mention before we go. You're previewing Napoli, as we said. Who is the player who moved to Napoli that we were sort of confused about? Diego Demi. Yeah, uh, we got an email or tweet. I forget who it was from. Yes. We'll, uh, we'll have to mention that when we do the preview. I love the idea that Diego Demi moved there because his life's ambition is to play for Gattuso. That's, that's <laughs> what we've been so told. Strange. I don't know if that's true or I, not. Yeah. I'm fascinated. I have so uh, many questions. I want to find Diego Deme and ask him <laughs> what's happening and what went wrong for him and all these many, many things. Speaking of emails and tweets we've received, yeah. uh, Matt Haney mm-hmm. uh, contacted us. Matt reminded us that the appendix is in your lower right abdomen. Yep. Do you remember when we couldn't find yes. our appendixes? Mm-hmm. And, and also noted that <laughs> if you're worried about yours, jump up and down. And if it hurts a lot, 
hot slash you can't do it, that means you have appendicitis. Okay, so go to the hospital yep. if you do that. I mentioned in that show that I'm always nervous that anytime I get acute or weird stomach pains, I'm like, that's it. It's my appendicitis. I'm going to die. It's going to rupture. <laughs> we also got quite a few tweets and emails about our Olympic roster selection mm-hmm. for the U.S. Women's National Team. Ah, yes. We both forgot Alex Morgan, mm-hmm. essentially, right? I didn't deliberately not include Alex Morgan. Yeah. I completely forgot that she yep. was part of the equation, right? She's, what, seven months pregnant right mm-hmm. now? We think she's due around April. Her stated ambition is to be back in time to play for the U.S. Mm-hmm. at the Olympics. Yep. I didn't make the calculation that she will or she won't. I just kind of forgot, which is not great podcasting, but that's what happened. Yes, that is true. <laughs> I think also part of it from you was – I'm actually with you that I, I didn't even think about that, yeah. uh, forgetting that she had stated that as her as her objective. But I did also misremember thinking the Olympics start in June and they <laughs> actually start in July. Yeah. So there is that extra month as well. I mean it's definitely possible that she can be back for this. It honestly just depends what kind of form and fitness she is in and mm-hmm. whether um, head coach – Vlatko. Vlatko. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know who you were talking about. There Head for a coach like, Vlatko yeah. Andanovic mm-hmm. thinks that it's worth including Alex Morgan on the roster because the US is weirdly not short of strikers, but there's still no one who exactly does what Alex Morgan can do. Yeah. So it's an interesting calculation. I believe I'm correct in saying that in the United States, at least, probably not the rest of the world, I think maternity leave is generally three months as well. So if she's delivering in April, three-month maternity leave would be July. So that would be when she's normally returning to work if it were a normal office job. <laughs> but I'm sure Alex so Morgan go. will be sort of back to training. Oh, you very, mean the one who's training right now and shooting quickly. at seven months pregnant? Yeah, yeah probably. I think probably. so. I think so. Uh, but so no judgment either way from us in terms mm-hmm. of whether we think she'll make the roster or not because honestly, we don't know. We, yep. don't, we don't know how pregnancy works. We do not. No. We do not. Um, all right. So we, we have addressed uh, recent the communications. The flies in. That's, yeah. It drops it down the chimney? I'm pretty sure you've confused cool. uh, that with Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm confused again. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Maybe there's no stork involved. Anyway, allocation yeah. disorder tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Champions League preview for you on Friday. Uh, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Daryl, when two people love each other. Okay, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. Right back at you. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again on Friday. Friday.